Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. We're live. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks to everybody jumping on live with us right now. And for all of you that will listen later on the podcast, we're so grateful for you as well. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Unpacking It. Also, the podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. So if you tune in to the live show for a few minutes, you got to go get back to work. You can listen to the podcast later in Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify and anywhere else. Uh, also, be sure to subscribe to the Unpack This devotional, which we will discuss on today's show as we do each Monday. Today's topic involves the New York Knicks and discussing what it means to uh, have the right perspective on the past, present, and future in, in our own lives. Uh, as uh, always, we're, we're joined by Corey Miller and Luke Heaton. Uh, we've also got Aaron May, our camera guy today. Uh, Kyle Martin here as well. He's our director of events here at Unpacking It. We've got some great topics to get into today. Unfor the unfortunate news with Tiger Woods, the way guys honored him yesterday. Uh, somebody's been criticizing LeBron. Nothing new, but maybe an interesting character uh, criticizing LeBron. So we're going to get into that topic. How do we feel as sports fans when athletes do share their politics? And how do we feel when, when athletes share about their faith and, and where they stand on, on social issues? Uh, what do we expect? What do we want as, as sports fans? And I even want to go back a little bit to that, that viral video last week with Cam Newton and the, the, the boy at his camp. Uh, because I think that factors into today's culture and climate a, a little bit as well and, and what we expect from athletes and how well we think we know athletes. Uh, also, how about college basketball? Uh, th this tournament that's coming up, March Madness, today's March 1st. Here we go. It's going to be a wild ride, not just on the court, but when it comes to protocols and the schedule, the locations, it is going to be wild. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that if we have time today. And, and so plenty, plenty more. Uh, before we say hello to Corey, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Uh, support them as they support us. Corey, we say good morning to you. How was the weekend? Greetings, everybody. Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. Of course, uh, great week last week. Uh, been down in Tuscaloosa with the boys and uh, my family and, and, and uh, of course, uh, catching up. Been a while uh, since I've been around my kids, you know, with the COVID stuff. But uh, had a great time doing the show from there, doing the devotions from there. And uh, the weather was just amazing. High 70s, 80s. Came back home. Amazing weather until today. I go out to my <laughs> favorite place. Not a, I guess I Starbucks hit me up if you want to 
bless the ministry, will you? But anyway, uh, you know, you get wet and cool, and now the weather's changed. So we start the week off right here again with rain and cool weather. But as I always say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Whether it's 80 and sunny or raining cool, we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Absolutely. Yesterday was absolutely beautiful in Charlotte, and I, I did something for the first time. I took little Maddie to the playground, and we rode the slide. And I, I got to tell you, in, in that moment, I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? I'm not sure I, I, I've experienced this type of joy from, from just a, a, you know, an afternoon hanging out. As much as I love watching football on Sundays, carrying my little daughter down the slide and then kind of watching the process of, all right, I'm holding her, I'm holding her, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, and then her, her going down the slide almost by herself uh man it was it was thrilling so that was the the highlight for me uh this weekend luke how about for you man how was the weekend how you doing the weekend was great the best part is it is officially my wedding month which makes me super excited yes we get uh, i get married in 13 days and i just cannot wait it's march 1st it's amazing so uh, it's a mixture of total excitement and total chaos on, we got to finish everything up with wedding planning, but overall feeling great when I woke up knowing, wow, this month I get married and I've never been able to say that before. Marriage is awesome. I'm happy for you, Luke. And we're, we're excited to, uh, yeah, watch, watch, watch you handle these next couple of weeks. <laughs> and then we'll see uh, a different once, you once you this. get through, once you get through the big day and, uh, enjoy a nice honeymoon week. So that's right. Uh, one of my uh, I saw one of my buddies the other day. We were talking. And I was like, "Yeah, super excited to get married." And he's like, "Hey, once you get married, everyone forgets about you." I'm like, <laughs> "Hmm." He's like, "Once you're not the couple that's about to get married, uh, you no longer are uh, everyone's attention. It's on to the next couple that's about to get married." So Pretty I guess I'll, I'll enjoy soaking up uh, all the attention because uh, once we get married, everyone will forget about us. That's right. Pretty you much. get to be in the spotlight for uh, for at least a couple days there. So. Uh, enjoy that. Soak it in. And, and let's go back around the room and, and I'll, I'll get things started with, with our segment we call I'm Convinced. So just as we come into the, the week, we share kind of one, one quick take on, on what we're convinced of. And, and I'm, I'll say this. I thought this during the playoffs, but, but I'm convinced it is time for Drew Brees to retire. And there was a video that came out this weekend. He still got it. Like he still can work out. And, and maybe if he got healthy, maybe he could run it back. But I'm still convinced we saw enough this year that he is breaking down. He just doesn't have quite the zip, quite the, the, the high level ability that, that we, we have known over the years. And, and so as you know, hard as it is for us to watch the great quarterbacks retire and move on and of course tom tommy keeps playing but everybody else kind of realizes it's it's time to time to go and so some of the rumors saying oh wait could drew Brees actually change his mind and why hasn't he announced his retirement yet i'm convinced that he will retire i'm convinced that he should retire and i'm also convinced the saints need to trade for teddy bridgewater the panthers need to move on from bridgewater and and the saints need to bring their boy back who they they, they had uh i guess two years ago winning five games with him so that's what I'm convinced of today. Corey, what about you? That's a good one, uh, but uh, I'm not convinced. I think Drew Brees' right situation pops up. He's coming back because he's not going to end his career walking out off that field, basically an empty stadium, 
of losing. And I can tell you that's a that's a tough pill to swallow to end your career on. So I think Drew Brees will be back. But I'm convinced today we saw all the stuff with Tiger Woods uh, over the past few days, and, and of course a, a horrible car crash and. You know, people all hear all the negative Nancys, right? The negative Nancys just can't wait. Or was it alcohol? Was it pain pills? You know, they were just waiting to stick the knife in Tiger Woods' back. It's amazing to me uh, uh, how evil and just how awful people are. It really is. I mean, just that they they want something so bad and negative to happen to people, uh, and it was just very obvious uh, what Tiger was. I mean, it's just like. Let's go back. Let's replay the history. Let's let's replay all the girlfriends. Let's play, replay the wife and the seven iron. You know, it's just like we live in such a negative world. Even in all of that, I am convinced that Tiger Woods, if anybody can bounce back, if anybody can overcome, it is Tiger Woods. When you talk about an athlete, you talk about perseverance. You're talking about work ethic. You're talking about desire. And nobody has that more than Tiger Woods. So I'm convinced even though that leg is shattered and the ankle and the tibia and fibula is broken. Listen, after football players come back from it all the time, well, golf isn't football. You don't have all the contact. You don't have to change direction. You don't have to backpedal and break on the ball. You just got to walk and get good balance. I'm convinced Tiger Woods will come back in a year or so, and Tiger Woods will win another major and win more tournaments before he shuts it down. I'm convinced Tiger Woods will be back on top of the PGA Tour again. I, I like it, and I'm, I'm a huge Tiger fan. We'll be pulling for that to be the case, and and, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm convinced he can do it, and, and I'll definitely be hoping that he will. Um, I, I guess the other part of me, because you know, you know I always love the stories in, in sports, that this just adds another layer, a, another obstacle for him to overcome and and we were almost kind of fading out Tiger a little bit because he was you know playing with his son and it's like well maybe is he even gonna keep playing and to me now this new challenge gives him an extra motivation to get back out there and to you know prove everybody wrong yet again and and I'd actually even say that that maybe this is a a, a, a more likely scenario for him to actually have the desire to get back to that top level again. Versus even how he was feeling the last few weeks where he was just kind of, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it back. And, you know, am I going to make it to the Masters? Well, now we know we won't be at the Masters. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm bummed for him for, from the, the physical pain that he has to go through. And it's scary. And I'm so thankful that he that he made it through because that, that was a, a death defying type of, of car wreck. Uh, but, man, as a as a fan of his to see this this new wrinkle to his his journey and story. This this could be uh, another exclamation point for him. The so, comeback story, brother. I love the comeback that's story. Right. We absolutely. I'm right there with you, Luke. Luke you go ahead, man. So uh, I'm not going to go the golf route because uh, I learned I learned the hard way last week. Uh, got some, got some <laughs> grief got some grief from you, Bryce. Uh, we're not talking golf here. Uh, I'm going to go college hoops. I am convinced that this is Gonzaga's year. I'm convinced that I Mark Few that Mark Few and Gonzaga are going to get it done. Now, I have a few hesitations, or really only one. It's just hard to get over the fact that they're playing such a less lesser-than conference than ACC, Big 12. So it's and, – and, and commentators are talking. I was watching their game against Loyola Marymount. 
they're just a little lackadaisical on offense just because they don't really have to really push the gas in a lot of these games. But they've got three players that are in the conversation for um, for pl- National Player of the Year. And Drew Timmy, uh, and then uh, this amazing shooter, and then uh, a five-star freshman. I'm convinced that this is their year. Mark Few, I want him to get a ring so badly. Their team is their team is loaded. They've got three guys they can they can confidently go to. I think their team is going to travel well. I think they're going to be able to play tournament basketball well. Uh, I think this is finally Mark Few's year to get it done. It's a COVID year. I think their team's going to be able to handle all that's going on and really travel well. I I actually agree, and I actually thought that they were going to do it last year before the the tournament was canceled. And I think they brought back most of their guys. So they're definitely positioned to do it. And we'll talk about this later in the show. But this tournament is going to be even crazier than than normal. And what's interesting is if you think about, okay, what teams have won in the other sports during the pandemic? And we saw the the Lakers, you know, LeBron, the traditional team that we've seen this that story before. Uh, we, we saw the, the Dodgers, you know, with all the talent kind of, cream of the crop they they got it done and then we saw tom brady win again so if that trend continues then does it become a a team that we're more used to but this year in college basketball the teams that have been up top even though baylor lost over the weekend those types it's baylor and gonzaga and even michigan kind of re-emerging as a as a top flight team uh so it's yeah it's it's wild but but i'm i'm with you i think it'd be great for college basketball to see gonzaga a team that has been relevant for so many years, uh, actually get it done. So. Gonzaga, Butler. Here's why, you know, when we're talking about the expansion, everybody, you know, expansionists from college football want the, the little guys like Coastal Carolina and, and you know, these teams <laughs> from, from the group of five to get in. It's a great story, right? We This happens every year, Luke. I know you want this to happen. It's like Gonzaga. <laughs> They're going to have the best opportunity, right? Because you don't know if Carolina, Duke, the, 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 the Blue Bloods and the ACC down, uh, you know, Kansas down. There's, you know, there's really no upper-edge basketball team, but maybe Gonzaga through the regular season. But I would say this. I will not buy their stock. I'm going tell you that right now. Because when they get to the tournament, mark it down, mark it down, they're going to lose. They're going to lose, Luke, because they're going to run into some buzzsaw. And it's going to be, you know, listen, better watch out for Michigan. Watch out for Michigan, buddy. I'm telling you right now, this is a good basketball team. And Kansas, and watch somehow Duke or somebody gets in there, and then they're going things are going to turn around. All of a sudden, they're going to become good. Watch what I tell you. No Gonzaga. Great story. Little guys, hey, slow clap. I know you play hard, and it's still the basketball court, and all the things that y'all say, but it ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. It's a good. I like I like the team too. I'm still a little bit mad at, at them because they beat South Carolina back in the day. Oh, uh, uh, there know, it is. Uh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> there so, it is. We got so that's it. Adding a little bit yep. of fuel to my fire, Gonzaga. Hear it from me. You ain't gonna make it. You will not get a ring. You will not have confetti on your head, nor put a ring on your finger. It ain't gonna happen. Sorry, Luke. I'm not convinced. There I'm just go. I'm just curious if there's gonna be more upsets or not because. You have less tape. I, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. It could be more upsets or less. You have less tape for teams, so I don't know how that impacts the tournament. Um, whereas, like, uh, like smaller teams coming in, 
they don't have as much tape on on Blue Bloods as they did in years past. But also, Blue Bloods don't have as much tape on the, these teams from lesser conferences getting in. So I don't know if it's going to even out, or maybe it's just the magic of of the tournament that just always leads to upsets. I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued by what kind of team is built for a COVID March Madness. I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't. I, I, I'm. I'm thinking certainly it's going to be different, but I just don't know what kind of team is really built for it this year at this point. It's all about veterans and, and leaders and head coaches. I mean, to me, that's always the story, but that that's what's going to to carry a team. It's I would be shocked if it's a you know freshman laden team that that gets through this tournament and wins it. Now we've seen that you know a couple times, Duke and Kentucky over the years when they were just so talented with freshmen. But I, I think we see more and more. It's all about veterans, it's about leadership, it's guys that have been in the program and and coaches that have that that great pulse and, and connection with their guys because they've been around. So that that would be what what I would expect. What what's going to be crazy? I was going to talk about this later. We'll just bring it up now before we we jump into unpack this. But w- with the way the tournament is set up and and the concern of teams potentially you know having guys get COVID. Uh, now we we saw the bubble work well in the NBA and that wasn't an issue and and guys were were healthy and and pa- passing the test throughout the the playoffs last year. So hopefully that's the case with the tournament. But what's interesting is there are going to be four alternate teams that could end up replacing a, a team that that did get COVID right before the tournament starts. So there's going to be this little window where a, a replacement team could, could be there. And then once the tournament gets going, if, if a team does have an issue with COVID and they can't play, that, that their opponent just moves on. So we could potentially see some surprising, you know, uh, lower seeds that, that move on just because they didn't have to play anybody. So that could be a, a, a wild thing as well. And, and I'm not sure what the other solution would be for that. That seems to be, okay, that, that's just, it's got to be that way. We just have to hope that, that teams don't face that issue where they can't show up and play and basically have to forfeit a game. Because then we miss out on the excitement of it. But, man, there could be some you know, Loyola team that, that didn't have to take on a, a, an upper echelon team and they get to move on with, without even having to, to actually well, <laughs> take shots. Yeah, well, and, and and again, we just don't know teams as well this year. Like, I was watching KU Baylor this week. Baylor lost their first game of the season. They're 10-0 and in conference. Kansas was 11-6 and in conference. Kansas has played seven more conference games than Baylor. Like, it is such a wide array of, of different amounts of games that teams have played. It's again, it's really hard to scout and really know. Like, I don't know if seeding is going to be as accurate this year because there's yeah, there's almost there's some guesswork involved with you. We generally know how good this team is, but we're missing about 15% of games that we're normally used to, which I think I hope that leads to more upsets because we maybe we get a three seed that really probably would deserve to be a five or a six, uh, or maybe we get. Uh, a 14 seed that actually, if they had 10 more games, they probably could have fought their way to like uh, a nine or 10. I think it, there's just so much surprise, which I think just adds to the the beauty of March Madness. Which is why I'm not convinced that you're, I'm convinced. That's fair. Because, That's fair. Because a lot of teams haven't played, you know, and a lot of teams got battered by this, right? Like South Carolina, Frank Martin's basketball team, you know, COVID hit them hard. So, this team, though, has some talent on it, but they can never find the juice. They couldn't find that camaraderie and the energy and just the balance 
that they needed to to really compete, you know, night in and night out on a basketball court. But then you see them go out there like the other day and they blow out Georgia. They beat uh, Florida. So, you know, you just don't know. And, 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 you know, there's some better teams out there, of course, that maybe are, you know, are in the same predicament and, and end up having the same type of deal. So that's why I am not convinced. Like the team that sits at the top right now that we think, oh, this is the best team in college basketball may not be because, you know, you go out there and you're going to run into a buzzsaw somewhere. Maybe, you know, this team gets it together. Like you said, that 16 seed could be an eight, nine, you know, but the games and the cancellations and all this stuff maybe have hampered or hurt them. So listen, it's kind of fun though, because we don't know. Yes. And I think it gives us a, it gives us a picture, right? Of what people want when you talk about the Cinderella and you're talking about a team just comes out of nowhere that just given a chance, an opportunity to get determined, they can show up and show out. So I think this is the scenario that maybe we're going to have with, with the NCAA tournament this year because we really just don't know. That's why I'm intrigued by a team like Michigan because I think this team really can be really good and special. I think the, the biggest thing for me, the, the way I'm benefiting most is I think my bracket is going to be far better than in years past. The, le- <laughs> the less I know, the better I do. The That's more right. I know about a team, the more I trick myself into thinking, oh, yeah, this team can make it. My mom and sister have beat me every year picking, oh. their, picking their favorite mascots. Every <laughs> single year, without fail, favorite team colors, favorite mascots. But, uh, again, I get in my head, and I i mean, I overthink everything. I be—I think about probably 10 years ago, I put Drake in the Final Four, Oof. which I, was, I, I saw a couple of – I watched a couple of their games. I thought they were going to – yeah, they're, they're a team that can upset – a higher seed, and then I took that narrative all the way to the Final Four, and I think they lost first round, maybe second round. It was just so embarrassing. But in the moment, I'm thinking, this is a genius pick. I look at rebounding stats, three-point shooting stats. Oh, it was it was horrible. It was horrendous. Oh, yikes. The, uh, the one thing about Michigan that I, I love is that a former player is actually leading his team to success, and, and Juwan Howard taking over that team. A guy that really earned that job, too, because he was an assistant down in Miami for a long time and finally got that opportunity because sometimes guys get handed that job just because it's their alma mater and it doesn't always work out very well. Uh, but good for good for Juwan. So I, I, I like Michigan and what they could potentially do in the tournament. All right, let's uh, let's jump into unpack this uh, first and we'll, we'll talk a little uh, little NBA. And then in, in a little while, we'll, we'll get to a couple of the NFL topics, including Alex Smith being released from Washington, but, but I want to talk about the, the New York Knicks. And as an NBA fan, as someone who grew up in nineties basketball, fell in love with the game. Of course I was rooting for Jordan and the Hornets during those, those years. But at the same time, I always liked the Knicks and and watching games at Madison square garden. And when those battles against the the heat in the nineties were great. And I would root for the Knicks when they were playing the heat. Um, and, and so the, the reality, though, since then, over the last 20 years, they have had a, a winning record only three times. So oh they, they have been abysmal and a laughingstock in, uh, in the NBA. And right now, they are 18-17. They are fourth in the East. They have an all-star, Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett out of Duke. He's proving to be a legitimate NBA player. Uh, they, they've got some pieces surrounding those two that, that are 
fitting in and playing well together. And, and Tom Thibodeau, the, the head coach who, who has been very successful in the NBA, has, has done a nice job really right away to make this team play hard, relevant. You know, the, we're, we're seeing them play in sync. Um, and so it's very impressive. And so today for Unpack This, where, where we take a sports story related to the Bible and relate it to our own lives, I want to take a look at a quote from Coach Thibodeau uh, where he said this. He says, just like I don't want us looking ahead, I don't want us looking behind and what happened in the past. It's important to know the history of the organization. That part is important. But our focus has to be exactly on what's in front of us and that's each day, each game, each practice. Be ready to keep improving. We got a young team. We have a team that can grow. And, and so, you know, we know the cliche of take it one day at a time, one game at a time. But I think it's so important for us in, in, our, in our own lives to, to kind of consider this philosophy and this, this mentality. In what ways do we need to reflect on our past? past to, to kind of know the history of of who we are what we've been through uh, to, to think about God's faithfulness to think about the great things in our life but then also what are the things from our past that we need to move on from to, to let go of some of those things might even be uh great things or or, or success that maybe we're, we're clinging too much onto and that, that happened in the past like we, we've got to you know enjoy things in in the moment and, and kind of what's what's to come um and so I, I think it just it's important for us to identify and and evaluate okay where is my mind going each day am i am i more focused on the past am i too focused on the future now as followers of jesus we absolutely want to have the future in mind right which is eternity and the hope that comes from knowing jesus and knowing that ultimately we get to be with him forever and that gives us the joy the peace that we need each day and so that that's a part of the perspective but if we're always uh, maybe so worried about, okay, what's to come? What's happening you know, next week, next month, next year? And sometimes when we do that, worry sets in, right? We're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and we get caught up in, in too much focus on uh, what's to come. And, and so I want to just share a few verses, and then we, uh, we can bring in Corey and, and Luke to, to unpack this a little bit further. But Paul writes, uh, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And, and then in Isaiah, it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And then in Matthew, it says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And, and so for the New York Knicks, you know, on, on one end, their fans, they have to think about, okay, we can enjoy the moment, right? They can enjoy that their team is above 500. They've got these young pieces. And they can think about the future. Oh, wow, you know, what if all these guys continue to develop? And what if the Knicks make another move at the deadline? Or you know, what happens if we add another free agent in the offseason? So just enjoy the fact that the Knicks are relevant again. If the playoffs started today, the Knicks would be hosting a home game which we'd all love to see. Madison Square Garden, playoff time, let's go. Hopefully we'll have fans at some point. Um, and so, uh, or they could, you know, get caught up in thinking, uh, we, we know how bad the Knicks are. Like, you know, over the last 20 years, they always find a way to blow it. They always find a way to make a bad trade or a bad signing. They're going to find a way to, to blow this as well. So you can allow the negativity based on what has happened in the past to take over. Um, so anyway, those, those are some of the mindsets that I think we can all identify with uh, one is fans, 
uh, but also in our own lives. Are we too focused on the past, too focused on the future? Uh, are we enjoying the, the present? Um, or are we allowing maybe some of our past to continue to drag us down and, and cause too much negativity in our lives? So, Corey, I'll let you uh, kind of jump in and, and, and what resonates with you as we, uh, we consider the, the past, present, and future. Oh, you're muted. Good stuff. Here I am. I want to make a noise. So I'll move around while you're talking. Um, first thing, I'm going to deal with the flesh, right? <laughs> and my flesh thought. And my flesh thought, it's the Knicks. My flesh thought, it's how bad the East is. My flesh thought, is the other team in New York down the street, across the bridge, if you will, is a team that's probably going to represent the East uh, in the NBA Finals. That's got three all-stars. That's the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and then some good news. I love the Garden. Been in there for a game. Been in there for a Hootie concert just last year. Oh, a year or so ago before COVID. Great venue. That being said, you're 18. You won game over 500. I don't think anybody's getting too excited right now about what the Knicks are doing. Yeah, they're making some progress. But here's what I'm going to say concerning the spiritual, because I think you bring up a valid point. And uh, looking back, as you alluded to with Paul, you know, he said, I'm not looking back, but I'm pressing forward, meaning I'm I'm keeping my eyes to what lies ahead of me. As an athlete, as a team, you're always going to look forward. You always want to, to work towards your goal. Your goals are what lies ahead, like Paul was saying, right? The crown, the crown of glory, to, to be with Jesus. That's no matter what. What bad is happening or has, has happened in your life, if you're a believer or follow Jesus Christ, you got to always look ahead. You know, whether it's issues, you got to look ahead. The Bible says, I look into the hills, which cometh my help. You know, if you're going through struggles, look to the hills. I look to Jesus. I just read this this morning. It says, set your mind on the things above. So I'm, that means I'm looking not behind, but I'm looking forward. So, you have to always look forward and press on and continue to, to, to move, even though you slip and fall. A righteous man falls seven times. You got to get back up. You got to keep moving forward, fall forward. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is this, what I just thought about, is David. David, look back. See, if you're going to look back, look at more so for the successes because David looked back and saw that he had victory over the lion and the bear. So when Goliath showed up in his life, he wasn't afraid. Why? He had he understood that God was going to carry him. He understood that God was going to get him through. So I'm going to look back because yeah. I know God delivered me. I know I'm facing a battle. I'm facing a challenge. I'm facing a tough season as, we, as it pertains to sports. I got a tough schedule, but I, I can look back and see how we overcame. So there, there is different things when you're talking about looking back. That's good because I want to look back and say, hey, God was good. You know, God, I was struggling. God got me through. I was in a bad situation, but God got me through. But I don't want to look back at my failure. I don't want to look back. At my shortcoming, because like Tiger Woods, like a golfer, what made Tiger Woods great, he could forget. He could say, hey, I had a bad shot. I can't focus on the bad shot. I got to focus on the next shot. That's why he's one of the greatest golfers to me. Mentally, he could get past the bad stuff and press forward and look ahead to the good stuff.
So if you're a Knicks fan, yeah, there's excitement because this point last last year, <laughs> it wasn't good. But now you can say we're making strides, we're moving forward. You hopefully hopefully they have goals in mind. So you keep pressing on. You know, David, David to me, I love the example because I, you know. I understand that we're going to face battles. Jesus said it uh, in, what is it, John 16 or Matthew 16, whatever it is, 33. He says, in this world you have trouble, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. So that should allow us to continue to look forward, right? To look forward to press on. So I love what you're saying there, man. David was my man. I can relate to David in a lot of ways, believe me, in my own life, that I have to look back. In ministry, you got to look back and say, man, it was a struggle. But God made a way out of nowhere. God right. gave me victory when I probably didn't deserve victory. So if I trust him, if my focus is him and I set my mind on the things of above, and that's where it starts right here in the mind. If I continue to keep my mind on the right things, my eyes focus and look in the right way, I'm going to have victory. So the Knicks can have victory. It may not be a championship. I doubt it this year because like I said the Nets down the street. But they're going to continue to make progress if their mind is right. Get your mind right. <laughs> there it is. That's right. Absolutely. No, good, good take. And I, and I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, that there's, there's, there is value in thinking about the future. There's value in thinking about the past. But there's also negatives to both of those as well. And so that's why we, we have to evaluate that and uh, look through the lens of, of Scripture. And, and, yeah, is our focus on the future on God? Is our focus on the past on his faithfulness? And is the focus on the present in contentment in what he's doing and, and who he is in, in our lives today and what he's called for us to do today. Uh, Luke, why don't you jump in and, and add to this? Yeah, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> really just echo kind of the great things you guys are saying. I think what's great is talking about this stuff makes me just have so much gratitude for having life in Christ. Because like we can look, we can look to the past in freedom. And we can look to the future with hope. And I would, I would, uh, I would posit that that we're the only people in the world that can really do that. Looking to the past in freedom, and looking to the future in hope. Uh, I'll start with the past. Look, like, like you guys are saying, we don't have to look to the past and sit in judgment. There's actually uh, scripture calls us. I mean, there's no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus, uh, Romans 8.1. There is there's no condemnation, so there's no judgment to live in. When we look at the past, it's to remember God's faithfulness. And that's especially all throughout the Old Testament, all the memorials Israel would set up, God saying, remember this, remember this, remember when I brought you out of Egypt. Remembering God's faithfulness is key and uh, probably a command uh, so we don't forget uh, and it's also looking to the past so we don't repeat uh, just all the sins that we've done before. And in my life, man, I should study my own past, not to live in judgment, but to look back, man, what caused me to put myself in that bad spot? What led to that sin? Same reason we study history, just from a, a non-faith perspective. We study history so we don't repeat the past. In theology, it's important to study the history of theology of the church, so we don't repeat heresies uh, and go into heretical beliefs. Looking to the past is vital to have a healthy future. And then looking to the future, of course, no matter what happens to us in the world, Paul is, in clear, is, is clear in Romans 7 talking about, for nothing 
no present sufferings in this life compare to the future glory of being with God. That is so comforting. And in First Thessalonians 4.13, he says, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. Like we can confidently look to the, to the hope of the future when we just seem bogged down. So I, I just love that. We have freedom and we have hope all the time. It's just, hey, how do we live in that more? Amen. No, I, I love it. And uh, I think it's uh, yeah, important to, uh, again, reflect on what our perspective is. And, and are we getting so worried about the future that it's, it's stealing our joy from the moment? And, and I think for me even, you know, I think back to times in my life where, you know, maybe they were really great. And I'm like, man, I wish I could go back there. You know, my four years of college were awesome or, or newly married and we, we had less worries and less going on. And it's like, man, I just want to be in that place again. But, but that, that time has come and that was a great time. And I can celebrate what those experiences were in life and, and part of the journey. Um, but, but I think we, we have to look for, okay, what's, God's doing a new thing now. What's he doing right now? And, you know, the, the joy of being a father right now. That's what I was telling you earlier about the slide. You know, sure, there are moments where I think, man, you know, Jody and I being able to, to get away on the weekend or going out whenever we want or whatever, and that was a fun season of life. But now being a dad on Sunday, being able to take my daughter down the slide, I, I, it's, it's uh, indescribable, the, the feeling of joy that I, that I have because of that. So uh, it's soaking in the present, you know, and, and um, so anyway, that's, my, that, that, that's how it hit me today personally. Nothing, uh, beats, nothing beats bath time on a Sunday night, right? That's right. Yeah. Luke called me last night and I was giving Maddie a bath. So, Hey, no, you can't interrupt that time. That's right. Oh, I thought you were talking about like a grown man bath. I was like, that's nah. Hey, don't I'm knock like, those. Hey, don't, don't knock, don't knock I'm the like, hustle of a grown man bath. Hey, that's warm water. Set us some, set us some candles. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Look, you got 13 days, brother. Just, I, I see the vision. Now you looking forward. You definitely looking forward. You see, I already that's got right. the plan out in his head. Right. Luke's, God. God. Luke's got one bath time on his mind. So I'm, I'm, studying, <laughs> I'm studying letters and, uh, and numbers. That's what we're teaching little Maddie right now. So right. She, still, she struggles with, uh, let's see, what letters? Uh, X. So we're, we're struggling with X. But other than that, she's got, she's got her letters down pretty good. So uh, that's my, uh, my role as, uh, <clears throat> as dad. So, all right. Let's, uh, so there, there you go. That's Unpack This Today. If you, if you have any thoughts, uh, leave comments anywhere you're listening right now. And you can always email us. Bryce at unpackingit.com. We'd love to know your thoughts on past, present, future, and, and maybe some things that you wrestle with in regards to that. And then also, uh, as we start off the show with I'm Convinced, let us know what you're convinced of. We'd love to know what you're convinced of today. Uh, so you can leave those comments uh, anytime throughout the show. All right, so let's go. We'll do a little NFL right now. Uh, the, I guess the news of the day, the, the Washington football team did release Alex Smith and you know, it was interesting, some of the comments that came out last week with, with Alex Smith and how he felt unwanted uh, in Washington even last year. And then he becomes the, the comeback player of the year. What an inspiring story of, of what he was able to do. And, you know, we, earlier, Corey, talking about Tiger Woods and, and we're rooting for that comeback story. We saw that to a certain extent with Alex Smith because that was a, you know, life-threatening injury and, and just brutal. But, but man, there he was back on the field. But now Washington moves on from him. No big surprise. Uh, the one team, though, that I did hear as a possibility, what if he reunites with Urban Meyer, his college coach at Utah, and go down to Jacksonville, be kind of the stopgap quarterback, uh, you know, with Trevor Lawrence most likely being the guy they, they draft first overall. So uh, that's intriguing to me. But 
Um, so we've got that story with Alex Smith. And then some of the, the rumors last week, you know, what happens with Russell Wilson in Seattle? Could he really get moved? Is that possible? Uh, you know, could he end up in New Orleans or Dallas or Chicago? And, and I think back with that story, the moment in the Super Bowl when Russell Wilson threw the interception to Malcolm Butler and how things would be different if that was a completed pass or if they actually ran the ball to Marshawn Lynch on that, that play. Uh, would his standing in Seattle, would his relationship with that team be different? And, and, you know, what was that one play truly kind of a career-defining play? Uh, is he still underappreciated in Seattle? And, and what is that relationship like with him and Pete Carroll? And so some stories are coming out and all the interviews that he's been doing in recent weeks uh, seems to speak to that. So can they reconcile that relationship? Uh, it'll be interesting. But, uh, Corey, any thoughts on Alex Smith and or Russell Wilson? Alex Smith is one of those guys, man, so much love. You heard me talk about the comeback story and, you know, the guy that went through so much, should have been out of the, the game, as you mentioned, potentially could have been life-threatening with the injury that he had. And, and to have the mindset to fight all through all those surgeries and, uh, you know, just fighting, surviving, trying to get back on the field. Well, he accomplished that. And he came back and played – Games. I just remember looking at his family, his wife, and those kids who were just so proud of him. And, and now this relationship is severed. Let's just be honest. You know, comeback player of the year, that's, that's a great award for him. But he can't help this team go forward. And that's that's the reality, and that's the business of the game, right? Right? You love how hard he worked. You love his commitment to the Washington football team. You love all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to say, hey, I mean, I think he was owed $19 million and non-guaranteed uh, non compensation. But, listen, thank you so much. But now we got to move on. It's just the way it is. That's the business. That's the game of the NFL. And I think, you know, maybe he'll land on his feet. But I don't think there's going to be a ton of takers because I don't think Alex Smith, his game right now is going to help somebody win a Super Bowl or playoff game. I just don't see that. I mean – could he just hang on as a third team, hold the clipboard? Maybe. And I think he'd be good for a football team because that toughness Definitely. that I talked about, that, that things that he's gone through, there's no doubt that he could be a great locker room guy and be a backup quarterback, emergency quarterback. But I can't see Alex Smith uh, doing anything to help another football team. Russell Wilson is sad, uh, but the thing is, Russell Wilson's been that quiet guy, great for the game, great quarterback, going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, and then all of a sudden things change. You don't have the Legion of Boom no more. You don't have that defense to protect you. You, you know, Russell Wilson does, doesn't get the help that he needs offensively. He's getting beat up. He's getting mangled uh, by defensive linemen. Uh, you know, so to me, I think he's right. Seattle just didn't put the, you know, invest in keeping him safe and, and making the, the Seahawks better. So at some point in time, you know, hey, you know, I need some help or I need to move on. Are we gonna are we gonna look forward and try to get back to that greatness? Or are we gonna sit back here and just be status quo, average? So I like Russell Wilson moving on. And I think the Washington football team would be a great place. Oh for Russell Wilson that has oh, a great please defense. No. Please you got don't a great bring defense. Into the and they got some young playmakers, right? And you can get them a couple more guys. And they got some money that they can spend. So, uh, you know, I'm for him. If they're not going to get him help, and that, that relationship can't answer your question, Bryce, can be 
healed and reconciled. I don't think it's so bad. It's not the Deshaun Watson where he met with the coach and said, hey, I'm out. I'm not playing with you. So it's, uh, and I, I texted you last night. I said, this is the case. Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, they need to, to to separate and move on and say, hey, I'm sorry it didn't work out, but let's if I'm Houston, let's maximize these draft picks. Hey, come one, come all. Give me your <laughs> best, and I'll give you the, my best, and, and let's build for the future. If that's what's got to happen now, because Deshaun Watson will not play in Houston. It's not going to happen. He's done. And so yep. they need to move on. They need to find something else and get what they can get out of him and say, hey, let's just agree to disagree and move on. Okay. I think the biggest storyline for this is how this affects the next 10 years of the NFL. Mm. The whole league is watching Deshaun Watson because if he really does get out of Houston, how does this affect player empowerment going forward? And I really want to get—I really want to get your guys' take on this, especially Corey and what it was like when you were in the league. But the NFL is not the NBA. NBA has significant player empowerment. Uh, now, in, in in my generation, it probably—I saw it really start with LeBron. I don't know what it was like in the '90s, player empowerment and moving around. But LeBron really led that, uh, going to Miami, and now and then Kevin Durant to the Warriors, and now it's. Really, the players control their own destiny. They have a ton of power. The whole league is watching Deshaun Watson right now. He didn't like what his team was doing, bad relationship. He wants to get out of there, no matter what. So what kind of precedent does that say? Then you see Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Russell Wilson, maybe his ears are perked. Maybe I kind of want to get out of Seattle. Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'm wondering the chain effect that this can cause. And then, Corey, from your perspective, what was like the player empowerment conversations going on and what did players expect because i feel like this is kind of a new thing going on and really the league's watching what is is deshaun really going to dig his heels in and and try to get what he wants uh to answer that question yes i mean you know he's got the power i mean this guy has the power now to 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 make these decisions tom brady was you know free he was done so it was easy for him russell wilson now can say hey listen i'm not going to play and and now the players have control again. You mentioned the 90s, right, when that was my my decade uh, in the league. We didn't have any power. I mean, you were stuck. I, I got there when it was plan B. You know, when I got drafted, you know, my little miniature, you know, they paid me in dollar bills for my signing bonus. And, and then, you know, <laughs> and, and I was stuck. So when the two years I started and then my contract was up, they plan B, which means they, it was called protected. They could protect you, right? So I was on the protected list. And they uh, they paid you X amount of dollars. Free agency wasn't not even a thing. Free agency didn't start till '93, when I became that. I signed a one year deal. My third year played great. My best year was was a alternate Pro Bowler and made all these things. Led the team. It was sacks. I had more sacks than LT that year. And and now I, free agency came, man, I'm going to get paid. And I was one of the highest paid linebackers at that point in time. But still, it, it wasn't that power thing. You didn't see guys that said, hey, you're going to either trade me or get me. That couldn't happen. Management? You kidding me? No way. That would not happen. Phil Sim, even Lawrence Taylor, he had that kind of power. But these guys today, man, they got crazy power. And they'll say, hey, I ain't going to play. 
And now you know what they have? Social media. They have social media. They have all of these things where they can be vocal. They don't need to go to the New York Post. Or the New York. They got. They can get on their phone and just a uh, uh, one-minute video. And, man, it's like the fan base. They can turn the fan base on the team. They can turn – listen, they got, they got power. The NFL – and we're going to talk about LeBron James and his voice. The voice of the athlete today is crazy. I mean, and they, they're understanding that now, Luke. So – Listen, Russell Wilson's not happy. Guess what? I'm going to go on Dan Patrick's show. I'm going to make one comment. Boof! <laughs> you know, and it's blown up, brother. And so you're forced to do something. And if you don't do something in the front office, like with Houston, if they were smart, they'll get rid of Jack Easterby. They'll get rid of the guys that, that you know, J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, Nuke Hopkins all said is horrible management. And they're, they're, they're saying, hey, we're not going to do it. We're going to choose front office guys over our our generational players. So these players are going to say, hey, find me every game. I already got 100 mil in the bank. You know what? Do what you need to do. I just really want to see who's going to carry that mantle because Le'Veon Bell tried <laughs> player player power a few years ago and tanked his career. Yeah. Changed, every, changed everything. I'm really curious. Deshaun really He's could be the out. guy to carry that mantle. He will be yeah. the guy. Well, the, the one other perspective to, for me is I, I think some of these players are a little short-sighted in thinking that they know who should be the GM or, or even who should be the head coach because they, they're not, that's not their mentality. They're not going through all the interview processes and they're not talking to, you know, all the, you know, some of these assistant coaches that have been around the league for a while and have, have been a part of other staffs. And so the, the, the amount of research that goes in, in theory, to try to find the right head coach. This is not possible for a, a 25-year-old quarterback to, to, to acquire enough info. Now, he can he can talk to other players that maybe have played for certain coaches and, hey, is that a good coach? But you don't necessarily know if that coordinator is, is equipped and ready to, to take the next step as a head coach. I don't think you know that as a, as a player necessarily. Um, and so if you want to have this whole control of an organization, I think it's too much. I think it's too much control to give to a player and should, should the player be involved in some of those conversations? Absolutely. You should keep your star quarterback happy. You want Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to be on the same page with the organization. And so, yeah, you run things by him. You keep them in the loop. You don't blindside them. You don't, uh, you know, have them hear about news on Twitter. You let them know before that, but you don't hand everything off to them either to where, Hey, tell me what five offensive linemen you want. Aaron Rodgers doesn't know that he may be able to recommend a few guys and he watches game film. And so sure he knows who some of the good linemen are and he could tell you some of the guys that aren't blocking well for him Say, Hey, you got to get rid of this guy. So all that factors in, but, but this idea that now all of a sudden the players are going to run the league in the NFL. I don't think that I, to me, it's too big of a responsibility in the NBA the head coach. It's he's important. And you look at what Greg Popovich is doing with even kind of a less talented Spurs team. He's a great coach, and it makes sense. He does it year in, year out. Um, so anyway, that, we could go a lot of different yeah, directions. Yeah, but, but, they, but they know bad management, and they know what doesn't work. And, and so not that they're saying, hey, this is the GM you try, you need to hire. They're saying this is the one you need to fire. <laughs> because, uh, And it's very obvious that, you know, that it, they know what's going on. You know, I can tell you this. I used to go sit in George Young's office. He was the GM with the Giants back then. You know, and we've had great conversations. We talked about free agency. We talked about a lot of different things. I mean, 
So as a player, you know. I mean, brother, you know what's going on. You know what players are out there. You know, you know, you may not know the ins and outs of what they cap-wise, but that's easy to find out. But, you know, for, from a knowing what players you want or who will fit what you're doing, that's very easy. Think about it. You got all you guys play fantasy football. Y'all the best GMs in the world. If you let y'all tell it, right? Y'all, yeah. y'all draft and y'all trade right. and, and you do it just based on stats. Hey, Bryce right? has got rings. Bryce has got rings, baby. You already said you got free, uh, what do you call them? Uh, rings. Fantasy or, yeah, fantasy rings. So, like, so a player can. I mean, so, it, and what Deshaun Watson is saying, hey, I don't, I'm not trying to run the team, but I'm saying the decisions that y'all are making, with this football team is detrimental to my future. And y'all don't really want to win because look, you let, you let my best receiver go. You let, you let my, uh, you letting all these people go. You're making crazy trades and getting. So Deshaun Watson is saying, well, I'm getting beat up running for my life. Had the best year of my career. And y'all, y'all got this guy, Jack Easterby that's ruining stuff. Come on. I mean, they got to, to me, if I'm Houston, I would say, "Hey, Jack, we we can't we can't go any further because you're letting a chaplain who has zero experience come in and making all these these, these crew. again. This is my great friend, Jack East was a great friend of mine. All the under the bus, man. No, I'm just I'm I'm a believer in truth, and yeah. the truth is, you're a chaplain that has. And I told y'all this. I'm big on this. I, I'm big on you know you're not gonna let me come in and try a case with no law experience. You'd be a fool to say, hey, I'm <laughs> hey man, I'm about to I'm go in to the jail. Like, let you come in, in and represent me. No, sir. So you're not gonna let a guy go in here that that was just doing Bible studies and chapels, not making NFL decisions front office wise. I, I just I, I love Jack, but I'm sorry. This is a bad decision. Period. Yeah, I think Houston's gotta move on. It's just it's they let it get to this point for Watson and they they had their chance to make him feel connected and feel appreciated and and make decisions that helped him and his career and they failed and so now they're going to have yeah. to trade him to the Carolina Panthers and they're they're going to have to not <laughs> ask for PNC. so that's what they're going to have to do I like that yeah. Sorry, I hate that for you but that's what you got to do now it's the only so, hand they can uh, play now it's the hand they've been dealt that's it. they have one option that's it don't listen to the Jets don't listen to the Dolphins just take <laughs> Uh, I don't even know the new GM's name, um, but yeah, take take Matt Rule's uh, phone call. Selective hearing, Adam. selective hearing only for the Panthers. That's bad. We don't even know the GM at the Panthers. I know he's from Seattle. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, but hopefully he comes in and does something special. That's for sure. All right, let's. I want to get. We only have a few minutes left, so this is kind of a a topic that probably takes a little bit longer. But I just kind of want to throw out this question today and and hear from some of the the, the listeners, and you can leave your comments. But this whole LeBron versus Zlatan, 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 Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There you go. So I'm not, I'm not Mr. MLS uh, by any means, but, but I found this conversation very interesting and kind of two marquee athletes going back and forth a little bit in the media and uh, Zlatan calling out LeBron and, you know, basically telling him to just play basketball and don't get into politics and, and all of that sort of thing. And so my question for fans today do you want to know where your favorite athletes stand on political issues, social issues? And I'll even say, do you want to know where they stand in their faith? Do you want them to speak out? Do you want them to speak up? Or would you rather them just play sports? 
And, and so that's the fans' perspective. Now, if I'm LeBron, I'm going to follow my convictions. And if I feel like I'm going to use my platform, and this is what I feel led to use my platform for, and, and the different things that, that LeBron has done that throughout his career, he's, he's made those choices. To me, that's on, that's on him. And he has to deal with maybe the backlash from the fans that either don't agree with him or don't want to hear anything, period. Um, and so when it comes to the faith side of things, of course, here at Unpacking It, we love having these guests on the show. They come on, they talk about their faith. But I also think that at times it negatively affects those guys. And so Carson Wentz, everything that took place in Philadelphia, part of that conversation was, oh, well, I thought he was a man of faith, so why wasn't he getting along with people in his locker room? And so then you have to answer certain questions when you do put yourself out there like that. And so whether it's a social issue or other beliefs and and things that you're passionate about, you you have to answer those, those questions, I guess, at certain times as well. Um, and then my last take on this, I do not believe that the leagues should be political, that when they come out and, and stand by certain, especially when it's more political than it is a, a you know, to come out and say everybody love each other. Well, of course, we can all get behind that. But I think some things over the years where it's gotten so political from a league standpoint, I think that's a dangerous thing compared to individual athletes. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Corey, as a former athlete, how, how do you come out on this? <laughs> well, this is this is definitely a topic that and thing that I, I like to stay away from. But as you know, yeah. I, I, I'm outspoken. But I, you know, I never was big in politics. Uh, I just never and was. Um, and, and listen, I, I I respect whoever you feel like you you want to represent, or as long as it's not you know, racism and things such, such like this, you know, if you want to be a whatever, that's, that's cool with me, but I'm about players speaking. LeBron James got a platform. LeBron James got, you know, he's more about the social issues. He's more about the injustices that happens in our country that a lot of people want to brush to the side. Well, I'm on point with this now because I've been, a, I've been a victim of this kind of stuff. So I understand. So, so now that players have that ability to say, Hey, we need to, we need to fight for change, fight for something that's positive and good. What's wrong with that? Nothing. You know, I don't, you know, I think if you're there, what's wrong with that? You know, Dawn Staley is the most outspoken coach. She's big on this stuff and, and the fans are, are they're coming at her. Now when when you got a strong opinion, I've known this for being in the media for over twenty years. When you got a strong re- opinion, it comes with strong reactions. So you have to be able to say, Hey, if I'm making a stand on a certain topic, I know I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get some stuff back. But I'm a big boy. I can handle that. LeBron can handle that. So I don't even know how you pronounce that guy's name. I don't even know who he is. If he walked in this office right now, I wouldn't know who this guy is. I don't care. Ibrahimovic. I'll be yeah. the token. I'll be the okay. token pronouncer. Luke showing okay. off. He would even I mean, I don't even know what his name is. But listen, take your stand for something good. Use your platform for well, change for the funny. best. You know what I mean? And so, no, I've heard too many people say now athletes, when they take their stand to shut up and dribble, shut up and catch a ball. No, they have a right just as much as anybody else has a right. They have a right to, to stand up and say, hey, man, this is a problem. I, I, I didn't have a problem with Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks. They did the marching. Why? Because they were they were standing for something that's wrong in this country. And so, 
you know, I'm not about telling you to be a Democrat, Republican, but what I'm telling you is to be a, a man of faith, a woman of faith that believes in right, that believes in something, in racism. And, and then we have folks that have the sin of silence that won't say anything. You know, I'm not talking about what, what, what you are, politics, while I'm telling what your heart is. So if something's wrong and, and you got the ability to stand up and say it's wrong or it's sin, no, yeah, stand up. And we need to do it as Christians more and stand up for what's right and what's good and what's true. And that's the word of God. Even in the church, I'll say this. We have sat back and watched stuff. We, we got segregated churches. Nobody wants. It's, it's amazing. And it's just an attack of the enemy. It's a launch of the enemy. But nobody wants to stand up and say, this is wrong. So I don't have a problem with LeBron James or the WNBA or whomever. If it's about what's right, good, and true, according to the word of God, stand up for what's right. And Christians need to stand up for what's right. And and, and so, and we got too many Christians. I'll say this, look, I got to leave it alone. Too many Christians, they say they're Christians, but they've one scripture and the one command that God gives us that they walk right over is to love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And they'll say, hey, I'm a Christian, but then they look on social media. Then they're hating their brothers who they see every day, but yet they love God. And there's there's an issue with that. So I'm saying we need to stand up as believers for what's right. The brothers that come on your show, stand up. I love it. Yeah. Tim Tebow took criticism. He can handle it. That's right. And I think think that's a great point that you have to be willing to deal with the persecution that Mm -hmm. that comes with it and and answering some of the, the, the questions and, when you do speak out, actually following through with action and, you know, not just saying things just to say it or just to be in the middle of a conversation, um, but to actually do something about it. That's what I love about LeBron. LeBron has done a lot of action and all the work he's done in Ohio to me with that school. I, I find it very admirable. So maybe we don't agree with every little thing that he says, but you look at his action and you look at his track record of who he's been as an NBA player not just the wins and championships and records and all that, but man, that, this guy has represented the league so well. He's been a great teammate and, and you go on yeah. and on family man. Um, so I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. That's for sure. Luke, why don't you jump in and we'll have to wrap things up here quickly. Yeah. So I want to look at it from a, a slightly different perspective on what's the underlying issue going on here. I don't think anyone would disagree. I think we'd all agree that, being an athlete doesn't preclude you from speaking out on anything. I mean, just like it really comes down to, Hey, it's your job. You're an athlete. That doesn't, that doesn't stop you. That doesn't take away your right that you should speak out on what you're passionate about. Just like a real estate agent and accountant. None of that matters. Especially with the freedom of speech in this country. Hey, speak out on what you're passionate about. Amazing. What the, I think what the issue is, is in a social media world, where now this word platform is incredibly watered down. Everyone has a platform. Therefore, everyone feels the pressure to have an opinion on everything. True. So if and it's, it's almost embarrassing if you don't have an opinion on something. Like there, there, there's, there's no grace for someone who says, you know what? I don't know about that. Or I'm actually not informed or knowledgeable enough to give a comment on that right now. Like I, you, if there's an international event that happens and you ask – uh, Rick Carlisle, Mavericks head coach. You ask Rick Carlisle, hey, what do you think about this that happened six hours ago? 
<laughs> Rick Carlisle should say, you know what? I actually don't have an answer for that right now. Let's talk about that's the game. Okay. And yeah, that's totally that's okay. okay. They're there. And even for everyone, it's so polarizing on social media. You have to have an opinion. And in, I mean, the last five years in every circumstance, you can't say, I don't know, or I don't have an opinion, or I'm not sure about that. You have yeah, to have a take and you on everything. People, the problem with, I think what people are really starting to get frustrated with is not necessarily athletes speaking out, which of course there's a crowd for that, but athletes speaking out on things they're not knowledgeable about because there's this yeah. pressure to have an opinion and then take on everything, which is ridiculous. It's, I mean, what, there's experts in certain areas for a reason. There's if hey, if you want to steady, like if you have a large following as an athlete, there's a you have to steward that well. I will never I will never get frustrated with the athlete speaking out on something because hey, I, I always want the freedom to speak out on what I want to speak out on. But if I'm seeing someone stu- poorly steward a large following by continuing to have hot takes and opinions on things they really aren't knowledgeable about, that is where my my that's where I take issue. Because that is a problem that's permeating all of society is everyone has an opinion on everything, which is a problem. Especially since their uh, opinion carries such a big weight, like it, it, it moves the needle and people listen and people pay attention. And so, yeah, I think being a little bit more calculated as an athlete and being wise, like that's that's the key, um, you know, and. Whatever, yeah, whatever size your platform is, those are those being wise and, and understanding the weight of what you're saying and where that goes. And that's why pastors have to be very aware of what they they speak to and and you know, hear it unpacking it. What we what we talk about and, and all of that, it it matters and we want to be able to um yeah, stand stand by truth and stand on the on the word of God and let that be where we uh where we stand, where we stand. That's where we stand on right there, the, the word of God. So um Let's uh, let, let's end it there. It's a you know an ongoing conversation as other topics pop up and and social issues and, and world issues pop up. But uh, I hope that athletes will continue to proclaim the name of Jesus and then you know represent Jesus well. Doesn't mean they have to be perfect. The three of us are not perfect by any means, but we want to represent Jesus well and and want to you know, let people know that that's where we get our strength from. That's where we get our joy from. That's where we get our peace from. And and hopefully when athletes do that as well. Uh, it's 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 an encouragement and an inspiration to others to at least consider it to say okay what yeah what is different about Tony Dungy you know it's like man that guy's so solid and so reliable what's different about him and so people hopefully explore that and 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 Tony Dungy has a a voice that carries a lot of weight um, so that's a valuable thing and so I love that real quickly it's it's hard it's hard when you take that stand as a Christian on and because the pressures and how people do look at you and the judgment that comes along with it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we started doing with Reggie White, the, the whole praying after the games and, you know, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, so, you know, listen, when you stand up for, for, for Jesus, that's persecution. He tells us that, right. He tells us that, you know, the disciples, <laughs> they, I mean, they got, they got uh, crucified upside down. I mean, they paid a price for standing up for Jesus. And, and, and we know this when you stand up for something good, it's always going to come with some kind of persecution with people saying stuff about you on social media. You know, I was a little careful about what I said here about this topic, but listen, I'm going to stand up for right. And it's not about democratic or Republican or whatever. I, you know, you, you feel what, what you need to do. And if you fine, but when you, when you, when it comes to people, 
and hearts I, I got a problem with. So, and I don't care what side it is. I'm on the side of Jesus. Like Joshua, when he asked Joshua, whose side you're on? No, he said, no, he's on God's side and I'm on God's side. And, and so at the end of the day, when we stand before him, he ain't going to say, oh, were you a Trump fan or not? Were you a Barack Obama fan or not? Or Joe Biden? He going to say, well done or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And that's mm. the most important following that you need to have is the following of Jesus the Christ. Because if you don't have him, you got some issues. You're going to have some trouble. Man, there you go. Amen. There's the pastor Payne, Corey Miller. Thank you, Luke. Great job. Appreciate you. Thanks to Aaron. Uh, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Thank you so much for listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, either live or if you're listening later on the podcast, we appreciate you as a listener. We always love hearing from you. You can send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. We come to you live Mondays, 1030 to 1130, plus a little overtime today. Who would have thought? You know, it's kind of a slow uh, maybe sports week. No, no, no. We'll find something to talk about. So, uh, plus we always get to, to talk about our faith and talk about Jesus and the Bible and a lot to unpack, a lot to explore. And so we're living this life together. We're on this journey together. And so we're, we're thankful that you're a part of this community. If, if you'd like to actually even get more involved with this conversation, we have opportunities for you to be connected to unpacking it in, in kind of deeper ways. We do the unpacked lunch on Wednesdays at noon. Email me if you'd like to be a part of that. Sports fans around the country, we get together uh, kind of in a, we use Google Hangout, uh, kind of like Zoom, but we get together and talk sports, faith, and life. Uh, we also have packs available that take even smaller groups of, of sports fans, uh, and, and you can talk sports, faith, and life uh, in an even more kind of uh, intimate, connected setting uh, to do that. So let me know, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to the devotional, Unpack This. Uh, you can go to unpackingit.com to receive that. Today's will be about the New York Knicks, and that's what we unpacked earlier, the present, past, future. How do we navigate all of that as followers of Jesus? So we'll, we'll uh, send that out a little bit later today. But thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday at 1030. Also, we got some guest interviews available to you uh, in podcast form, so be sure to subscribe. Go listen to that Mark Herzlick podcast. Incredible, very inspiring podcast. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson. Have a great one. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.